Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jawhead and Dog and Cavan. Order your new 221 Renault today from our extensive Renault range. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Great to have you with us again today on the show. A little bit later, white goods, when they go faulty, we really think of getting rid of them, don't we, and buy replacements. But there's a change happening. There really is repair and reuse. We're talking about it in a while on the show. Britain's best-loved psychic medium, Sally Morgan, is with me this afternoon and we're down on the farm, Elm Grove Farm, with Darren McCullough. If you want to join in the chat today, don't forget the usual numbers, 086-1800-658. You can WhatsApp or text me directly here to the show. Now, my first guest is a lecturer, researcher, author, organisational advisor and consultant on workplace bullying who penned a really intriguing article recently in the Irish Times, which I read uh, a couple of times over. And it provoked, that article provoked a huge reaction from so many who've been victims in the workplace. And I'm delighted to say she's taken time to join me on the show today. Jacinta Kate, welcome to Late Lunch. Thank you very much, Jerry. I'm delighted to be with you. Well, I want to throw the ball in, so to speak, at the start yes. of the game by uh, quoting back to you something you said in this brilliant article. Yes. You said that bullying can happen to any one of us, but yes. when it comes to the bully, there is a type. What, what, what do you yes. mean? What, what are the characteristics of a bully? Yeah, it, it, it's very interesting that when we talk about bullying or when we hear about bullying, we're often focused on what has happened to the victim and how they have suffered and whatever. But very little focus is put on the person who's doing it. And it, there is an absolute succinct definition of the kind of person who engages in this type of behaviour. Now, it's a wide definition, but really it, is, it involves somebody who has deep-rooted fears and insecurities, and it's their extreme effort to hide these from themselves and from others. And th those are people who ha have had, it has come from their childhood. So highly competitive home, for example, favoritism shown between children in the family. Whatever reason, they come with this kind of deep-rooted um, insecurities. And I suppose they bring that with them and they spend their whole lives trying to lift themselves out of it. But how they do it is by putting people down who, who they might feel would be a, th a threat to them, even though the person 
poses no threat whatsoever. So they can engage in relentless behaviours, relentlessly cruel. Remember, they have suffered cruelty themselves. Um, they, they, they Relentless. And their aim is to the person whom they perceive as a threat in some way. Their aim is then to create a feeling of worthlessness in those that, you know, are targeted. And what, what, they're, what they're actually doing, and maybe you don't want me to move on to that yet from the profile. No, go ahead, go ahead. But, but what they're actually doing is then, they're, they're doing everything in their power to disempower the other person. And this other person hasn't done anything on them. But this other person is through the eyes of the person who thinks that they're a threat. So there's no profile. It can be absolutely anyone. It can be, it often is, in fact, you know, people think it might be the weak and the timid. When they're talking about timidity and weakness, they're often talking about somebody after the experience of being bullied. bullied. Mm. They're not talking about the person prior to that. So often the type of person, and there's no type, but people that I have known who've been bullied, they would have been independent thinkers. They would have been confident in themselves. But that's red rag to a bully. That's red rag to them to see some. So because people who are bullying, they like to see the bully in two ways. They bully by pulling people in with them to become allies and they bully others they perhaps think they can't do that with by pushing them out. So it's a two-tiered kind of thing. And those they push out are those they feel most threatened by. And because bullies like conformity and control, who do you think they're going to push out? They're going to push out the people who don't conform. Mm. So maybe maybe it's the person in work who might be a bit innovative, who doesn't follow fashion, yes. you know, who has kind of quirky, you know, quirky. You can be bullied for being quirky, but it's not the quirkiness. It's the perception of the other person that this person is a threat to me and is going to show me up. You, and I hope that makes you, sense. Oh, abs- uh, look, makes absolute sense. And the other yes. thing I just wanted to draw on that you mentioned uh, yes. uh, in, in your writings is this split personality type, the yes. Jekyll and Hyde yes. dimension. That can be oh. a telling sign, can't it, as well? Oh, it, 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 it's almost uh, exclusively so in terms of those who bully because they cannot, bullies cannot survive on their own. So as I said just previously, they bring a certain number of people in with them. So let's take, for example, the workplace. And let's take, for example, that they have a leadership role. And I say bullying is often top down. But the reason I say it's top down is those who have a tendency to bully are hell bent on getting to the top. Because remember, they want to improve their self-esteem. They want to get over this feeling of worthlessness. And in doing that, and in order to uh, remain unexposed, they surround themselves with unquestioning allies. And how do they do that? They promote people beyond their competence frequently. So the people then that have been promoted by them, I'm only taking this as one example, mm. leadership, they, they become unquestioning allies. They are indebted to the person. They, they actually feel thankful and grateful for being promoted. So, 
And, and of course, the person is doing them that big favour. So the person's being very nice to them. Yes. And they would they would swear in a stack of Bibles that the person was as good as Mother Teresa of Calcutta, <laughs> because that's the way they experience yeah. that person. Yeah. However, oftentimes they do see that they have to be very careful. Mm. And, 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 and use that status. Yes, and with, and, Jacinta, with that in mind, I, I'm not surprised, I'm getting messages already. If you are affected by what Jacinta is talking about today, if you feel yes. you are being or have been bullied at work, you can get in touch with us. I'll give you the number again, 086-1800-658. That's WhatsApp or text to me in confidence, 086-1800-658. I yes. want to read this message because it's just hit me between the eyes and it brings me yeah. to a question I had lined up for you. This is really paraphrasing a question I had. Just listen to this from a, from a listener's come in. Yes. Uh, Jerry. I'm in my job four years and I absolutely love it. I get on with everyone and all the customers. I have to say myself, I'm good at my job, but there's this one person that makes mm. me feel like SHI dot T. Mm-hmm. I've already gone to the manager over it mm-hmm. and I feel really uncomfortable and dreading going to work now yeah. because I can't cope with the attitude of this one person and I'm even yeah. thinking of packing my job in that I truly love. What do I you know. say to that person? Well, of course, the, the, the first and most important point in this coming out in that present, that person still maintains her, her, his or her sense of self, that they actually know they're good at their jobs. But she's almost nearly reluctant to say that because the main thing that you have to do with bullying in bullying is not believe the lies the person is telling about you or the impression that the person is creating about you. There, you know, and then failing to in some way challenge the behaviour, even in a very small way to challenge it. Mm. Sometimes, see, people often, people often say nothing about that because it sounds, it's so subtle and it's so insidious. Yes. It just sounds like you're, you're, you're being fussy or pernickety. Of course, the main thing that they'll say to you, if you say anything, is, oh, are you not a bit paranoid? Maybe you're a bit overly emotional. You know, they'll use that kind of label to put you down. But if you really can see that something like this is happening, it is, it is important to, to do something. Now, let me tell you, it's not easy. Mm. And let me tell you, it's not easy if you go making a formal complaint or whatever, or if you go to the high court and you could be years at it and it's very difficult to go that way. However, there are two quotes that come to my mind, if I can remember them now. They're not my own quotes, but they're two good quotes. And let me see what they are. Yes. Failing to challenge, failing to challenge, or we can put in failing to confront, costs more than the worst imagined consequences of confronting or challenging. So that's one. So not doing anything about it. Not doing a thing about it, but trying to get on with it, trying to be nice to the person, trying to ignore it, all of those things. That's failing to challenge costs more than the worst imagined Mm. consequences. So what are the worst imagined? You think this person's going to turn around and kill you, uh, but failing to do it. And the other one is how real is risk? The risk of saying something or doing something. And the quote there is guaranteed misery if you don't, guaranteed misery versus a chance for peace of mind. And that is what people who are bullied need, a peace of mind going in in the morning that want to get on with their colleagues, want to contribute 
productively and positively and want to be left alone. And that is not too much to ask. No, so not at all. And expecting the organisation to do it for you. Unfortunately, the first thing you've got to do is keep your own self-esteem high. Keep realising that even though this person is at you, because the worst thing that happens in the close relationships, for example, in the home, is that you begin to believe the lies they tell about you. Mm. Because bullying attacks, I hope I didn't say this already, and if I did, stop me, please. Bullying attacks the three core needs that we have for well-being. And here you're, you, you are talking about mental well-being, but you're also, also talking about physical mel- well-being. Mm. I know people who have developed cancer as a result of being bullied, and they have attributed it to it because it's stress-related, and the stress is coming from the bullying. So bullying attacks the three core needs that we have for well-being. And the first one is competence. Uh, to feel a need to feel that you're capable and that you're effective. Oh, my God, does the bully love to knock that out. Oh, my God, it's torture. I've just written a little quote there. I thought I'd put it up on Twitter. I only revised Twitter since the article last week. And the the um, the quote is, oh, my God, what, am I, what is it? The need to feel that. Oh, I forget it now at this moment. Oh, yes, about the withholding of recognition. Not giving recognition is something, you know, is one thing. Mm. You know, people who forget to say well done or forget to say thank you or forget to say you look nice, you know, that can be inadvertent. But bullying is a step further. It's a withholding of that. It's a stick in their craw to say it to you. They wouldn't please you to say a nice thing. Mm. And that's the first core need. The second core, core, core need is the need for relatedness, the need to have people around you to feel accepted and connected. And what do they try to do? Isolate you, exclude you, leave you out. And the, the third one is the need to have a degree of control over your actions and your behaviours. And they disempower you. So it's very, very it's almost like they have a PhD in it. The, the, the behaviours are so consistent. Yes. And that's why you'll have reactions. But people will say, oh, I know, I know, I know what she's talking about. Of course they know what she's talking about because she's talking to me, me I'm talking about bullying. But very few times that you hear discussions about bullying, it is nearly almost about the victim and the effect on the victim and that it doesn't concentrate on the other side. Rose has been on to say, hi, Jerry. thank you for doing this. I can so identify what that brilliant lady is saying. Thank you so much. Thank you for that comment. Jerry. I was severely bullied and what they did to me has now shaped my mindset. So I would now rather work alone because the insults are a constant loop in my head. Isn't that shocking that somebody feels like that? Here's another one. From my personal experience, Jerry. I think you're bullied when you're a soft touch, when you have no confidence. You don't like confrontation. You like to get on with people and get the job done. You'll do anything for a quiet life and also trying to please them as well. There are more there. That's just a feel for what's coming to me. I want to come back to, though to something you said, Jason. This is very important. You said to people today, you must confront this. You must take it on. You cannot just endure this. You, you know yourself that if it's endured by one person and you don't take it on or you leave the company or whatever, that yeah. bully is going to find another victim, aren't they? Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yes, for sure, for sure. Unless, well, there, the organisation has a responsibility. And organisations, I'll just give you a little bit of the history of what's happened in workplaces. Yes. For example, prior to the recession, now we're going back to the the boom times, I was working up and down the country with organisations, really, really attempting to deal with this bullying. The, the, The recession came then, Bullying went off the radar entirely. If you told a person that you were bullied, they'd say, well, aren't you lucky to have a job? Don't be bothering me with bullying. Mm. So it went off. But now it's creeping back in again, particularly in the old people work from home, but it can happen anywhere. It's increasing in the home, in schools, in workplaces, everywhere. And what we have to look at there is the organisation, not the individual. Mm. Now, when I say confront, I don't mean get up and start shouting and warning. I mean small little incidents and small little sentences that you say when you shout at me in front of my colleagues, I'd be very upset and annoyed and I'd like you not to do it. So I'm talking about very small, just not letting yourself go down under it, feel embarrassed and ashamed and cower. That's when they really feel they have won. So I'm not really talking about major confrontation, but I'm talking about major confrontation from the organisation. And I worked with the colleague for years trying to identify what were the responses to bullying in workplaces. Four. First one, dismissive. Oh, for God's sake. A bit of bullying never did anyone any harm. If that one wasn't bullied, I'd bully her myself. Number one. Okay, not too many there. Minimum compliance. Cover your ass. Cover your back. What's the minimum we need to do if anyone takes a complaint against us? They don't care about bullying. Reactive. Oh, oh, bullying complaint. Now, what do we do? Formal, informal, all of that. That's only react. No good either. A little bit better than the others, of course. Proactive. Proactive is getting the right people into your job, having the right ethos in your in your um, in your workplace. You know, having openness, having good communication, having sharing of ideas. All of those things are the proactive things that prevent bullying. And when you're picking somebody for a job, you look at their psychological capital and not their human capital. Because some of these bullies can come in with their PhDs and whatever. But that is no indication of what they're going to be like. You have to look at their psychological capital. That is the ingredients. What psychological capital is? Their levels of positivity. And, you know, when you hear somebody kind of denigrating somebody that likes to be nice and all that, most good people like to be nice. And like to, you know, like to get on with people. I mean, that shouldn't be a profile Mm. for being bullied. But the bully is threatened by that. Of course, they don't like, they don't want you to be liked. They want you to be excluded and put out. So... Well, it's all that the organisation has a huge responsibility. Yes, and and, and, and can I say this to you? Uh, org- you went through the four points there. Very yeah. interesting. Organisations, you know, it's it's a hot potato for an awful lot of them to handle and they don't yeah. have policies in place and there are people in positions in organisations don't have the training or capability to do it either and this is across the board. But here's the thing, because time will beat us and I want to get this in. Mm. You mentioned the shouting and the, you, 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 there are many aspects to bullying. But what about yeah. the subtle bully, you know, who, you know, uh, uses communication to cut you off or uh, those little things that are not overt. That is just so destru- destructive, isn't it? But you mean, it's, 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 it's in the main. 
psychologically, uh, psychological and emotional. It's in the main subtle and insidious. It's hidden from others at times. Mm. Just to tell you, the people who bully, you might think that in times when you might be upset or you might have an illness in the family or you might have an illness yourself, that they ease up. No! They use that time to escalate their behaviours. It's completely subtle. It's very rarely about shouting and roaring. It is nasty nuances of what they're saying. It's small little things, niggly things over time to isolate you, to give you a bad reputation. When you think there might be empathy and compassion coming from that person, what does that say about that person? That says an awful lot about their own inadequacy. I describe it myself that they have high self-esteem. They, there's conceitedness about them, but it's unhealthy high self-esteem. It's high self-esteem based on, I have to stay up here, and how am I going to do it? I'm going to put down anyone who looks like a threat. So it's, it is in the main good people, but I don't, there's no profile. It can be anybody. Yes. And of course it can be people, so-called people please. I'm a people pleaser with my work when I'm lecturing. I want to please these people. I want to get them to enjoy it. That's, that's a natural thing. That's mm. not a flaw. Um, you know, but, but definitely it is something that is relentless and keeps going. And when I talk about uh, challenging it, I just mean being able to realise this is not good enough. And even to be able to say, you know, that's not good enough. Let's come back to your comments. And they're coming into us. In confidence, I promise you. Jerry, I was bullied uh, by a colleague, by my manager. I suffered a nervous breakdown and eventually had to leave the job I loved. The bullies are out there still alive and well. Another one there. Jerry, I was bullied at work. I was told I was paranoid. I suffered with depression in the past and they used that emotion to destroy me. Thank God I'm in a job now where people respect me. That woman you have is simply brilliant and she is and she's just back for a moment before we finish up. Now, Jacinta, I have to leave it there today but I, uh, you are one person I am coming back to for sure because you want to see what's happening here in terms of messages. They're flying into us now. This is a widespread problem. Look, just two words before you go. You say you must confront it and you must take it on with management. You cannot work in this environment. Quickly. Yes. Well, well, well. I'm I'm very reluctant to leave that as the two key points. The two key points I want to leave you with is that we need to focus on the people who are doing it. Okay. We need to focus on the behaviours. It is too much of an onus to put it on. That's only one dimension. Yes. Too much of an onus for that to be your key points. The key points are. Focus on the behaviours that constitute bullying. Focus on the damage it does to your organisation and focus on the people who do it. Brilliant. And be sure you pick the right people for the job. Jacinta Kiss, you have been fantastic. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Jacinta Kit there. Late Launch LMFM Radio. Oh, my word. The messages we're getting as regards bullying, it brings it home to me that this is a major issue in many, many workplaces. And uh, just to give you a flavour uh, of what I'm h- hearing, uh, what a fantastic interview on bullying. I can empathise with everything that Jacinta said there. She explained it so well and all the points she made, I have been through and I'm going through at the moment at work. Isn't that shocking to hear that? An earlier messenger is back to say, 
um, I did approach the bully and she's turning it round and saying she's been bullied because she's the youngest uh, and now is putting rumours about the place about me. I'm physically sick at work uh, and uh, I understand everything that lady is saying on your show. Another one says, I can identify with everything Jacinta is saying. I had a breakdown and I was on my own. Only for my family, uh, my husband and siblings, uh, they supported me. It's so unfair and management didn't care. Peter's been on. Nice to hear from you, Peter. On a different note this time with a salient point. He says, bullying, Jerry, you'll only realise it, is endemic in the Irish workplace. And don't talk about getting HR to mediate, especially if the bully is in management who pay the HR person. Management and the company pay them. So they'll not go against the bully when they're in management, says Peter. And I have more messages there. I'll come back to them in the show. We have audio messages in as well to us, which I guarantee you we won't play. Thank you. I know you don't want us to play them, but you're telling us your story as well. Keep them coming to us. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me to the show with your message. If you'd like to call in, it's 41 Moving on in the show this afternoon and he's a very good friend of ours and I'm very grateful that he's joining me today on the show because it's rather timely. You see, you know him well, don't you? From here to the ground in RTE, fabulous broadcaster, columnist, award-winning author and he does a bit of farming too, sure he has to, at Elm Grove Farm in Gormanston in County Mead. Darren McCullough, hello again. How are you? Uh, lovely to be with you again, Jerry. Uh, we have to keep it real, you know. Farming is the thing that keeps my feet on the ground, you know, getting a bit of dirt in under my fingernails every now and again. <laughs> it does indeed, Dara, and you do it to be sure. Hey, do you know why we called you? I just saw a photograph. A friend of mine put up a picture of a very early daff in our garden. Now, I mean early. We're talking about snowdrops at the minute. But you're right, take it in your place. You're, you're way on the way with the daffodil harvesting season. I just, I, I left uh, the farmyard there to come up and get a cup of tea before talking. I said, I better better get the caffeine into me before I go talking to this fella. And as I was walking up the yard, the tractor came in with, I'd say, about 100,000 stems loaded on the back. We're picking about 200,000 stems a day, every day. We'd be picking again tomorrow. We'd be picking on Saturday. We may even be picking on Sunday. If nature turns on the switch... All, for all of January, I, I take in about probably about 30 Romanians come here to pick the daffodils in the spring um, and they land in en masse in early January and we were they were standing around for a couple of weeks looking at me and I was there busy rolling out antigen tests to try and uh, keep uh, manners on the COVID situation here and they were looking at me going what are we here for Uh, we're here to pick and there's nothing going so I'm delighted now Uh, the flowers those early varieties have really started to, to come into gear that is phenomenal 200,000 a day and Dara I know we spoke you mentioned COVID there and how it impacted on your business and, and getting them out uh, to uh, people, which you traditionally did through uh, the retail end and that as well. You went online and you were selling fantastically there. With the change, you know, as you know, is happening at the moment, will that change your modus operandi? 
as in now that the lockdowns are yes, all eased yes, and yes, yes. COVID is behind us. Um, yeah. I, I don't think so. I mean, what I did notice over the last two years, so we've been on a real roller coaster ride over the last two years when the first lockdown, if you can remember back to those days in March 2020, yeah. mm-hmm. um, it, there was kind of tumbleweed blowing up and down the road outside here, outside the farm in Gormanson, the old Belfast Yor 132, because uh, I used to go out for a walk every evening with my wife and, you know, you could you wouldn't have to look up and down the road to see if yeah. there was traffic coming. There was mm. literally nobody on it. And at that point, uh, our back was to the wall. We launched a kind of an online sales platform and it was flying it. But what we also found when that first initial lockdown eased, we found that the local farmers' markets that we were selling were flying it. But then roll the clock forward to 2021, when it was kind of locked down and kind of wasn't, um, people moved away from those uh, local farmers' markets, um, uh, but they were still buying online. And what I see now in the last month of sales is that uh, people are still buying online. There's, there's a couple of cultural shifts that probably mm. happened in the last two years in that, you know, I'm not sure um, how all the pubs are going to come back into business because so many people have got yes. out of the habit of yes. going to the pub. And they've also got into the habit of spending money online. So, you know, old dears who would have been, you know, nervous about entering their credit card details online are <laughs> they're, they're going bananas. Your best customers. Now, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. So, you know, it ha- it is a changed world and uh, what you're saying basically is your world has changed too. So it'll be amalgam, uh, amalgamation of your online and the traditional way you did business. Here, here's something that crossed my mind. Mm. 200,000 a day where are they going? Are they exporting as well as, yeah. you know, the na- you have to be, haven't you, abroad? Yeah, yeah the, the, the vast majority of those are being exported out of the country. The Polish, believe it or not, are great flower buyers. <gasps> and our biggest customers are in Poland. So we would have loaded out, for example, what the, I, I don't know, I meet myself coming backwards <laughs> one of these days. But yesterday we loaded out 10 pallets of daffodils. That's uh, about 25,000 bunches. It'd be about two quarter of a million stems of daffodils. They were all loaded onto a truck yesterday. It's rolling across probably the UK as we speak now. Tonight it'll be on the ferry um, over to Holland. It'll land in Holland uh, tomorrow morning and it will be picked up from a warehouse in Alsmere in just on the outskirts of Amsterdam tomorrow and put onto another lorry and head off to Poland. And that is the global world we live in now. You know, yes. those uh, daffodils will have travelled uh, thousands of miles before they get anywhere near the customer's mm. vase in their front kitchen. And of course, when you pick them, they are closed. And with the travel time, and then when they're taken out and put into water and that again, here they come and they open up. They're a little bit of nature's magic, the Mm. way that, uh, you know, you can literally truck it around the world and that when you put it into that uh, vase of fresh water, maybe nip off a centimetre or two off the bottom, it'll still burst into life and that it's so synonymous with spring and that first splash of colour in spring. And of course, what we're doing online, um, we're, we're selling the daffodils online and we're 
we're, we're trying to give back a little bit. So for the last couple of years, we hooked up with the Irish Cancer Society because, of course, their fundraising days in Daffodil Days, yes. and we were always involved with that, mm. had to be cancelled for the last two years with COVID. So we said, what else can we do? Well, why don't we have a, a bouquet online at ellengrovefarm.ie where uh, 10% of, of the, the value of the bouquet goes back to Irish brilliant. Cancer. And that, that sells fantastic. We have brilliant yeah. support from the public. They go to every county in the country and uh, long may it continue. Absolutely. And just to say, Daffodil Day is back this year and it's on Friday, March 26th. Do you grow the one variety of daff? Or, you know the way you say uh, there's early ones, mid-season, late-season. Is it like mm. the spuds? Are they are, are they graded like that in the way they they come into flower? Yeah. We, we've we no, no control over when the, the daffodil is going to come other than variety selection. So, for example, like we, we're planting lily bulbs in, in our tunnels at the moment. And what we'll do is we'll plant religiously. We go out every Monday, uh, every fortnight and plant a couple of thousand lily bulbs. And we know that roll the clock on 10 weeks, uh, we'll be cutting those um, stems yes. of lilies and, and, and selling them. But it, there's no point in us going out and planting every two weeks uh, daffodil bulbs mm. in the autumn in the hope that, um, you know, they come sequentially because it, it's all about the winter. In fact, the flower in the, the daffodil bulb fascinating really it, it's actually set the previous May so if it was a cold May last year um, where the flower will be later coming in the bulb this year I mean it, the intricacies of nature are kind of mind-boggling so um, the only thing that we have we have as you say those early mid and late season varieties and that allows us to be picking now yes. which you know a lot of people go what you're picking daffodils already <laughs> yep and we will still be picking daffodils all those kind of whites and more unusual colours and the centre varieties they all come into their own around about Easter time mm. so it gives us a season of maybe 12 weeks of continuous picking yeah fantastic and, and the different colours and varieties and sizes sure been up there which in previous years when I could we'll have to get back to that again in the future please God to You'd actually see them anytime. I know that I know that you're very kind you really are so a long season ahead lots going on there and Dara you know yourself you're like anglers farmers you know we're all in the same boat the weather what a month we've had yeah it's extraordinarily dry and I'm a bit nervous to be honest with you because I am a great believer that nature levels herself out uh, mm. time and time again and if you think about it we had a very uh, and I'm talking about this particular part of the country not Wexford for example which had floods in December but if you look at here in December it was dry it was dry in November mm. we've had a dry six months mm. and I'm dreading that when Mother Nature does turn on the tap that she'll forget where the switch is and she'll leave it running and we'll be in a quagmire because of course if, if it starts raining think about it if it starts raining for example in you know February or March and, and then we get 
two or three months worth or, or six months of, of rain in, in maybe two or three months uh, the, the sowing will be affected yeah. I mean I'm also thinking of my pickers of course they don't like to be slogging up and down mm. in, in, in mud and muck so it, it, I I don't know fingers crossed <laughs> fingers crossed but you know what you're right the year the, you never said a truer thing and that no matter what extremes we get or and, and this is an extreme it's been so dry Mother Nature does balance. Let's see what happens. But and uh, and you're so right. It will impact on other things. People are saying as well. You know, oh, we have had it mild. There's been no cold. I'm thinking about that too. Do you remember March? Do you remember the beast from the east, Dara? Do I need yes. to remind you about oh, that? Yes. I mean, there was cows in sheds. There were there had to be dug out of the snow. Um, it was crazy. Um, and so I, I guess this is the reality of climate change. You know, the scientists were warning us that um, uh, we would be facing more weather extremes and all the records show that uh, the weather is becoming more extreme. And of course, this is a, a massive challenge, concern for farmers on every front because, number one, we're the first people to, to bear the brunt of it. Mm. But number two, we also have a big impact on it. And, and there's a massive debate um, at the moment as to what agriculture could and should be doing to try and reduce its emissions. I know this conversation's going all over the place, but um, it's, uh, you know, only last week I was, uh, or it was this week I was writing about um, the, the plans to put a cap on the dairy herd. And of course, the dairy herd is the biggest emitter of, of uh, greenhouse gas emissions in Irish agriculture and one of the biggest emitters in the country. But the the flip side of that is that you cannot produce milk any more sustainably anywhere else in the world. So if you put a cap on Irish production, all you do is you force to you outsource that production to a less sustainable part of the world. So it's a really difficult circle to square this issue, and and the practical consequences are things like beasts from the east. Yes, for sure, and it's a it's a monumental task, but one we have to tackle. And I'm sure the powers that be, uh, along with the farming community, who are eager to you know play that part. I know this. And I want to say this in this whole uh, conundrum that faces mankind and this little green island of ours. But anyway, you're flying there, and I want to just mention again before you go, elmgrovefarm.ie. If you buy your DAFs, it's very important, folks. You are supporting the Irish Cancer Society. 10% going from all sales at Elm Grove. And, of course, you're on the road there on the uh, uh, on the old uh, Drogheda Balbriggan, Drogheda Dublin road there. Uh, flowers on sale there. And, of course, uh, your exports are flying for you as well. Keep on doing what you're doing. You're a great fella, I have to say. And there's my Carlsberg phone ringing. Do you hear it ringing there in the background? I don't <laughs> I think do. that phone ever rang. Hold on, Dara. Hold on, hold on. Hold on, okay. hold on. I just take it. That that phone has never rung. I'd say nearly in all the years I've been here. But anyway, the, it's off the hook there now. Listen, good luck to you, and lovely to talk to you today. And we'll be in Likewise. touch through the years. And keep. Uh, I have to say this. I'm just loving the new series of Ear to the Ground. Keep her lit. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Dara. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's uh, Dara McCullough there. Uh, ear to the ground on RTE a great great show too you're at late lunch on LMFM radio Tom Grennan a little bit of love that's all we need all you need is love the Beatles wrote about it sang about it years ago and I'm not hearing about a lot of love in many workplaces this afternoon on this show my god Jacinta Kit, you have prompted some reaction 
Jerry, bullying in the workplace. I could write a book about it. I left my last job after standing up to the bully because they were in a higher role and twisted everything on me. Three staff left in a month. The manager and owner promised me that the bully in question would be dealt with accordingly, but it never happened. I felt very ill and started a new job, thank God, since, which I love more. You know why, Jerry? Because they're supportive and caring in the workplace. It's the environment, the culture, isn't it? Yes, and you heard Jacinta at the end, I said stand up. Yeah, you do. It's very hard to stand up for yourself at times. Uh, You know, when you're worried that you might lose your job and you have all those concerns as well and you're not maybe that type of person. You heard what she said. It starts, it comes from the top. It has to come from the top down, so it has. And most of the bullying actually happens from the top down as well. Got a fantastic message there, uh, a voice message into WhatsApp saying, uh, from a gentleman saying, Jacinta, thank you from my heart. I worked in the financial services sector and a new manager came in for 18 months. It was hell. The three steps you mention uh, around bullying, I recognise every one of them. The segregation, the knocking of confidence, the withholding of recognition. I recognise every one of them. And I want to say, Jacinta, you're right. You don't have to be a soft soft touch, says the listener. Um, In my case, one person resigned, two took early retirement and seven were out sick long term. The person has been moved, Jerry, elsewhere in the company. And guess what's going to happen there? They're going to do it again. Because if you have form as a bully, you never, ever lose that. It's somebody today, it's somebody else in a year's time, two years' time, three years' time, becomes the victim of the bully. That's the way it works. And like the abuse that happened in our Catholic Church where priests were moved, moving people is not the right thing to do. Management must take this on and sort it out. It's as simple as that. Nobody should be unhappy in their workplace. You should enjoy going to work every day. It's as simple as that. I love coming to work every day. If I don't love that and I don't have that love, I ain't coming. It's as simple as that. I ain't going to work. I don't want to be in an environment that's like that. I want to be in an environment that's supported, that I feel cared for and respected, and I'll give it 110%, as most people do. That's the way it should be. We shouldn't be hearing these messages today and getting all these messages from people who've left jobs, who are unhappy, who have been bullied at the minute. It's an indictment of companies and management when this is allowed happen in an organisation. And it's totally wrong. Absolutely wrong, I say today. I knew we'd evoke this reaction from you this afternoon. I just knew it. And Jacinta Kitt, what a brilliant, brilliant woman. Absolutely brilliant. You've got to love work. You've got to be happy at work. You've got to enjoy work. And you've got to work together and not pull apart. It's as simple as that. It's a very, very simple conundrum. But sadly, for many people, it doesn't happen. And that's what we must change. It's another thing we do. Just simply, simply must change. Late lunch, LMFM radio, just to tell you on a lighter note, the bingo, the jackpots, €10,000. And there are great daily prizes. You can win a €50 voucher as well. Well done to Larry Fitzsimons from Kells and Alice Malone from Currabeg RD. They both won €600. You can get your book for next week's game online, lmfm.ie, or from outlets across the North East. Up next on the show, she's Britain's best-loved psychic medium, and I'm delighted to have her with 
with me on Late Lunch, Sally Morgan, coming your way shortly. My next guest on the show today is Britain's favourite psychic. Yes, Sally Morgan has read for the likes of Princess Diana. She did for four years. She travels throughout the UK and Ireland, hundreds of shows every year, and she's been mightily busy during the pandemic for sure. Her new book is called Secret Spirit and I've had a copy of it uh, for a number of days now and she joins me on the line. Hello Sally. Oh hello Jerry. Very so lovely to talk to you. And to you too. May I say about the book firstly and put my cards on the table and, and this is with the greatest respect and compliment I say this to you. If you only got this book to read the introduction. Now, hold on a minute. You have to read the whole book. But if you only read the introduction, may I say, you would feel very comforted and much better in yourself. May I say that to you? Well, that's very kind of you. Thank you very much. I'm glad that it worked for you. So that's um, if it works for one person, then it's worth it. So thank you very much for that. No, not at all, because you talk about, you know, this pandemic. And, and I want to say to listeners, God talk to you, Sally, about COVID-19, the pandemic. You lost your lovely husband, John, to COVID-19. I did. I did. I did. John passed away on September the 27th. He died of COVID-19 and um, I just feel that, you know, when I wrote this book, obviously John was still with us and he was a big part of the process and he knew exactly what the book was going to say. Um, But little did I know then, even though I'm a psychic, that, um, you know, it would it would have another meaning for me, which of course it does now. And I, I said, I only said this the other day to uh, to my followers that if if I never wrote another book, we've got another book planned. But if I never wrote another book, this book for out of all the books is so important because not only I believe is it for people that have experienced loss with with COVID, but it also um, is so prophetic for me and. Uh, it's it's um it's really in his memory. Oh, it's, it's a thing for me to be. That's really nice to say that it really is, and and that leads me into a question I wanted to ask you because you address it in the book and uh, during the last couple of years, um, with technology enabling you to talk to so many people, I know you couldn't cope with the amount of people who wanted to speak to you. And one of the big questions, and you say it in the book, is and 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 John now loved ones who've passed over. You know what people say? It's the end. There's nothing. There's there's nothing beyond this. Talk to us about that for a moment, and and you. Well, I think that yeah. I mean, you know, everybody is so entitled to their own belief system or what they feel. But I know for a fact that you know, when our body dies, we have this energy which we call our spirit uh, or our soul, um, whatever you want to call it, really. But it's an energy that's able to live on in another dimension. I love to call it heaven because you know you conjure up images in your mind's eye don't you when you say heaven mm. and I love to think of that um but we we reside in another dimension we're able to be around our loved ones that are here on earth plane so um for me all of my life I've been able to harness energy around individuals that relate to people that they've lost and now I have that myself because I know that John is with me and I'm able to sense him on a daily basis so Um, you know, no one will ever convince me that when our body dies, that is the end, because it isn't. It is not the end. 
for, for you and just for our listeners who mightn't be familiar with you today, um, when did, you know, you realise that you had something, that you had a gift, that you were different? Well, I don't think I am any different because I believe <laughs> there you go. that... But, well, I believe that every single person, we have... That's, this is the book, it's called Secret Spirit. We have this this spirit within us that so many of us choose to keep secret because we're either fearful or we don't want to seem as if we're odd or we don't want to seem different or we're afraid of what other people might say. And and, and I think that we all have this. So I, I don't think I'm any different. But for me, like I've always worn spectacles since I was about three years old, but I never knew I was any different until I went to school and it was pointed out to me by some by people there, like children are like that, aren't they? They can be cruel. You know, I had four eyes. So it was the same with this ability. It wasn't until I went to school that the boys, it was tended to be the boys, you know, they would say, oh, you know, you said so-and-so to my friend yesterday and how it came true, you're you're odd, you're not, you know, they, mm. they would tease me. Mm. So it was really at school, I would say from when I was about 11 years old, that I it began to dawn on me that, wait a minute, when I see that or when I n- just know that, I have what I call my knowings, um, you know, other other people don't, other children don't, my friends don't tend to have that. So that's when I really sort of began to realise. And I, 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 I mean, I admit this in one of my other books, I, I do say that in my early teens, between 13 and 16, I did use it as a bit of a party piece. Yes, I understand. And and what I meant by different was, you, you say we all have this, but you are the one that's able to bring it out and, and, and deal with it and bring it to others as well. Just I mentioned Diana at the top there and, and you know, she's still held fondly in the hearts of so many people all over the world and in this country in particular. You worked with her for four years. You do say that you believed she was the, the leader of, to the forefront of highlighting the issue of mental health. Oh, I think she was. And, and I think that, you know, although it's now infamous, the, 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 the Martin Bashir interview, unfortunately, is in, infamous mm. now. Um, but I, I think that that was very much her trying to let everyone know that she struggled and, um, you know, she was suicidal an awful lot of the time. So she did bring she did bring mental health issues to the forefront. And in fact, she's passed that on to her boys because they now they're great advocates for talking about mental health issues. They certainly are. I I was watching you uh, recently and you were talking about some of the great and good in the world. Your own Boris. Well, is he going to survive, Sally? Oh well, I think well, if you if he's if he's going to survive, he'll always be part of our political system, always forever and a day. But as, survive as our prime minister, I doubt it very much. And I think that if we look at him and we look at you know his lovely family, he has a young family, and they must be so concerned for him. It must be, you know. Um, it must be very, very hard for him because I believe he's only ever wanted to do good by the country. But, of course, as we all know, uh, it's not... He is the Prime Minister, but he has many, many people around him that make a lot of the decisions. And for many things, he's just a mouthpiece. I sound as if, you know, I am, I, I'm on his side, but I, I've always been a socialist. Well, I say socialist. I've always voted Labour. Mm. So, But I think that this is a man that is... Um, that's tried his best, but I don't think he's going to survive. No, I think that he will, he'll say, he'll throw the towel in. Well, 
the other uh, $60 million question is this, and I know you've been talking about it too. On the other side of the Atlantic, the Atlantic, there's a fella called Trump. You know him, and we all know him very well. And he's rattling the sabres. He says he'll be the next president. What's your view? What do the spirits, no. what do you, what, what's going to happen? Well, he won't be the next president. Absolutely not. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he can survive many, many scandals. And there'll be things that come out, you know, lots of things at the moment that are still just sort of simmering that if he if he tries that again, there will be people that release other things that, you know, you wouldn't want your president to sort of be known mm. for doing. So I don't think he will. I don't think he'll he'll make it again. No, you realise in the pandemic as well, we've had it here in Ireland where many people had to retreat to their homes for months and now years on end to work because you couldn't go to your place of work. You have a very interesting story. It's the other side of this, you know, where people, you'll hear people say, I'm sure, oh, we're driving each other mad, both of us at home and we, we don't get on. But you have a very interesting story about Jackie and Jake, the complete opposite to that. Um, sorry, can you just... What, 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 what yes, is, the story what? about Jackie and Jake. You know, the way they were contemplating divorce. And you talked about, you know, they when they got home together to work together, actually their relationship uh, became stronger and that didn't happen. Oh, is this in the book? In the book, yes. Do you know oh, the yeah, story? You know what it the- is? I'm so, I know, I'm so sorry. Obviously, examples that I give in the book, I change their names. So yes. I'm really sorry. I just had to think then. <laughs> yes. And I think, oh, sorry about that. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I think that for many people, it did bring it did bring certain people together. The fact that, you, mm. you know, you had to be with someone and you had to get on with them because you had no choice. And so, therefore, people became a lot more tolerant. But I also think there was the other end of the spectrum where people, a lot of people became more intolerant. But um, for, for a lot of people, technology, especially for me, I'm, I'm going off of your question, I know, but technology for me has been amazing because I've been able to speak to people on Zoom and mm. Skype and, you know, FaceTime and WhatsApp, which has been wonderful because they've been able to come into my home as much as I've been able to go into their home. And um, it's been lovely. People going, oh, is that a picture of John behind you? Is that a picture of the girls behind you? So it's uh, it's been very special for me and I will continue even when we can do face-to-face readings again, yeah. as in the same room, I will continue to do Zoom and Skype and all the other ways because people love it and it's convenient for people. It's convenience. It certainly is. Mentioning home, when you lived in that beautiful old rectory, yourself and John in Surrey, uh, the, there were strange goings on there. There were. There were, You know, you talk about spirit, uh, you know, uh, the soul and ghosts. That was a ghostly experience, was it? Yeah, because, well, you see, the thing is that there are some energies that um, that decide that they're going to stick around. Do, do you know what I mean? Yes. It's a bit like the walls of a property can really hold energy. And there was no doubt in the, in our, in the, the old rectory that we had the presence of, a, of an old vicar, it, that we lived literally a two-second walk from the church. The church and the rectory were built at the same time, obviously. And the 
just come out of his door, walk across the path and be in the church. And um, there was no doubt that we had a vicar that lived there. I mean, I, not only did I see him, somebody that was putting some curtains up for me that, that I wasn't in the house and I hadn't spoken to this man at all. He was sent by the company that I was using. And he came downstairs and said to a builder, oh, well, I, one of your men upstairs, um, he's just walked from and basically described the vicar that I'd seen. Mm. So, you know, it wasn't just me that, that was able to see this man who was, I mean, the generic term we use is a ghost, isn't it? But it yes. was like a an, an image of somebody that had died, yeah, mm, a ghost. Yeah, my God, yeah, you hear stories all the time, uh, but not to be feared. Look, I could talk to you all day if I had the time, but I have to say I thoroughly enjoyed the book, Secret Spirit. It's out now. Oh, that's yeah, you, yeah. I, I did, honestly, and, and there's so and much on, in it. And, you know, uh, Jerry, I'm over on Sunday. I'm in Waterford. And I'm in Cork, Galway, Drogheda, Strabane and Belfast all next week. Great. So you're here in the northeast in Drogheda. I, I love the pronunciation. I oh, know. Drogheda. How do you pronounce it? Drogheda. 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 Now you have it. Drogheda. Good Drogheda. woman yourself. But most people in the world in the world outside of here pronounce it as you did, Drogheda, as well. But you're in Drogheda, coming to Drogheda as well in the northeast. Check her out. I Sally know. Morgan. She's all over uh, social media and the internet as well. And we'll get you the date. I'll get the date on that and I'll, I'll blast it out here for you. Anyway. That's very kind of you, Jerry. Not at all. In the meantime, love to you and take care thank and thank you. you for joining me. And to all your listeners, thank you so much. Thank take you. Take care now. Bye-bye. That's Sally Morgan there. Secret Spirit is the name of her book. More of your comments on the bullying issue. It's been running through the show this afternoon. Jerry, I was in an organisation. A woman was bullying myself and other people. Yet when she left, she put it out that I was the bully and the cause of her leaving. She tried to turn the tables on me. And that has stuck with me in most people's eyes. Isn't that shocking as well? So many aspects to this. Listen to this one. We're talking about workplace bullying, but it, it, it can be in other aspects of life as well. My daughter's landlord is a bully. Uh, she's been in his house for the past seven years and he's been like that all of the years. God help him when she gets a home of her own. I'll give him what she couldn't do. Am I wrong, Jerry? Oh, he even makes me cry. And my daughter is 37. Love your show. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for expressing your, your opinion on bullying. Thank you indeed for that lovely comment and uh, all who've been in touch with us uh, this afternoon on the show. Entertainment's back for sure. The Eagles Tribute Show. We'll have more tickets for that one next week. Take it to the limit, which takes place at the Knightsbrook Hotel and Trim on Sunday week, the 13th of February. The following Friday, that's the 18th, the rescheduled Remembering Joe Tribute, a tribute to Joe Dolan takes place in the Headford Arms in Kells. And we have a big prize on late lunch for that one next week. Can you sing a Joe song? I hope you can. You could sing for your supper here next week with us. Saturday the 19th of February, the Furies are in the Carrickdale and a bit of fun for young and old alike. Pantomime Aladdin, it finally gets going at the TLT Theatre in Drogheda from this Friday the 4th of February. So thank God entertainment is back. And speaking of entertainment, you won't get better entertainment in the cinema then, now and perhaps in the future than with The Lion King. Yes, it's my featured movie of the week and its soundtrack. The soundtrack itself was released on April 27, 94 and went on to create many records in terms of sales. It was easily the top-selling soundtrack of that year and was certified diamond. That's 10 times platinum when it comes to sales. With regard to box office takings, 
The movie earned $763 million in worldwide ticket sales during 1994, with that figure rising to $968 million by the end of its run. On review website Rotten Tomatoes, 93% of reviews wrote positive uh, things about the uh, movie itself. And really, when Rotten Tomatoes sums up The Lion King, it says it's emotionally stirring, richly drawn and beautifully animated. I couldn't put it any better myself. Today, from the soundtrack, Mufasa's the evil... Mufasa's evil brother, Mufasa, of course, the Lion King, his evil brother, Scar, who aspires to be king of the pride himself, is upping the ante with his co-conspirators, the hyenas. Your powers of retention are as wet as a warthog's backside. The wonderful Jeremy Irons, Scar, the villain in The Lion King with those hyenas. Oh, you just detest them. Really got me. The first time I went to see it, I have to say, you know, the movie, it tells the story, doesn't it, of the circle of life, I'm sure. We'll have to round off with something like that, won't we, tomorrow on the show? Yes, we'll have more about Lion King uh, in words and song tomorrow round about this time on Late Lunch. Just a couple of things to mention before we head to our final break of the afternoon. The Drogheda School of Karate are uh, organising a free ladies-only defence class. Starts tomorrow Friday, 7 o'clock in the Special Olympics Club at the Cross Lanes in Drogheda, beside the hospital there in Drogheda United's grounds. It's for women only. No photos, no identification of anyone's going there in confidence completely and they'd love to see as many ladies show up there no matter what age you are uh, what ability it doesn't matter they'd love to see you there tomorrow Friday all you need to do is bring along a mask and there's plenty of parking available there as well what about Glasgow Celtic I should have mentioned them earlier in the show oh what a performance last night they thrashed Rangers Trash them. It should have been 6-7-0 at half-time, only for McGregor and the Rangers' goal. And the Rangers were better in the second half, for sure, but they didn't score. But put Celtic top of the league by a point. It's an intriguing battle now between the two of them. I wouldn't say it's over by a long shot, but by God, Celtic Park rocked last night. And did, as did my front sitting room. And me and my own there was rocking too with the goals going in. But anyway, well done to Glasgow Celtic. Uh, wonderful, memorable night last night uh, for the green and white hoops. Late lunch, Ellen, LMFM Radio this afternoon. I nearly did the mispronunciation. I nearly did LFM. I nearly did it there, but I just didn't. I recovered at the last minute. Anyway, final break of the day and we'll be joined after. You know, white goods, if you have a breakdown or whatever, generally your thoughts turn to getting rid of it, getting something new in. That has to change. It has to change with us all. But we need people that can fix them. We're going to talk about it next. I'm sure it's a familiar problem. If you have a breakdown in your washing machine, tumble dryer, dishwasher or whatever, white goods we're talking about, I wish you the best of luck in getting somebody to repair them because you'll be waiting, that's for sure. You make the call, will they ever arrive? You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, why is this? Is it, uh, you know, that they're just too busy? And uh, why should we be uh, making that call more and more to have the goods repaired? Well, joining me on the line is Ian Collins. He's chair of the White Goods Association and commercial director with Beko. Hello, Ian. 
Jerry, good afternoon to you. How well, are you? How are we keeping? I'm good. Answer that question. Is it because of a shortage, really, of people that it's nearly like chicken's teeth to get somebody? Well, you know, uh, the industry's been very busy over the couple of years, you know, through COVID. And fair play to the uh, service engineers who have gone into homes right the way through. They're, they're the front line, you know, so they've been able to go into homes. So that's been brilliant. But I think as an industry, what we've done and we've collaborated together and created the first ever uh, training academy for service engineers. So this started up in Dunshockton a couple of months ago, and it's a first. So, so, so it's basically a collaboration of the industry, which is great, all the brands, a collaboration of the White Goods Association, We Ireland, who's a recycling company. This is the place where it's being held, and it, it's in it's in the, it's on the office of Loud Mead Education and Training Board. So. Mm. It's a fantastic course, and uh, the first of its kind. So it means that en- people can come into our industry, become service technicians, get a six-month training course on how to repair washing machines, dishwashers, tumble dryers, and then be placed into the industry by the manufacturers for free. You know, for 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 for, yes. for, for twelve weeks. So so it's great. But look, people have fallen in love with their appliances because they've been stuck at home for the last two years under, and, and sales have been absolutely massive because people are. They're looking at their washing machine. They're using their cookers. They couldn't go out. So this has kept us extremely busy as an industry. And there's hundreds of engineers out there. there you know, the problem is that the average age of the engineer now is about 59 years old. Okay. So that's where the shortage is, is going to come in years to come. So this initiative was great. And it got off the ground very quickly. You know, that's what happens when, when, when collaborative partners come mm. together with mm. the industry. So... I met some of these guys last week. Some of the some of the some of these training engineers up up in, in Fit Training Centre there in Dunshockland, and it's great to see them. You know, coming in. a lot of these people could have been out of work. Yes, this, this is a free training program for them, and it's, it's the first of its kind. So, you know, the future is bright. The the the, the, the products are perfectly repairable. You know, so the yeah. products last for a long time, but. If your fridge breaks down, it's very frustrating. You know, <laughs> it certainly food, is. Your food, you know, you want it repaired quickly. Um, there's lots of ways you can get it repaired. I mean, there's a Repair My Stuff website, which people can click in their local area. They can click onto that and see who, the, who that repair person might be. You can go onto the website of each, of the, depending on what brand you have, and uh, you can you can make a call into a call centre. And each brand has their own way of of of, of, of repairing product. But the, there could be a shortage in years to come, and hence the, it's great being yes. that course up and running. You know, because oh, no, it it is great, and that's why I wanted to just highlight it today that this initiative is happening, and it's interesting that you guys are involved because you know you're there to sell new product, you have targets and everything uh, yeah. in Beko and, and and all of the other suppliers, but yet you see the benefit in this as well for you know the greater good too but so just to summarize it's the age profile moving on and this initiative is uh, getting younger men and women into this area of repair here that there will be more availability and people can have the the repairs done more timely i know you say there's there's different websites and you can find out who's in your area but the point i'm making to you is and this is i've heard this i and i had experience of it myself so had louise at times it's very hard to get somebody and when you said your fridge is down or if you have children that need the clothes washing you know what I mean and you have no machine by God you want them there next day don't you? You want them there and then and people they, they can't wait like myself three kids at home mm. your washing machine is going on 24-7 you know it never stops and you only notice your appliance when it doesn't work you know and yeah. that's where that's why it's critical to get these technicians on board here and in and I hope that this scheme can be run because this is the first 
accreditation for accreditation, QQI accreditation for these service engineers. You know, that this, this didn't exist. It was decades since there was. So, so it's a great industry for people to get into now, you know, who, who want to change the direction. And I hope this can be rolled out. I'm down here in Killarney, County Kerry at the moment. I hope I hope it can be rolled out into different uh, into different counties. Yes. You know, because, and, and you mentioned men and women there. On the course, there's, there's uh, seven men and three women. So, right. you know, you could have a, a woman engineer calling to your house, man. So it's it's a very diverse uh, qualification as well, you know, to have. Oh, I have to I have to say the women are brilliant. I have to mention my old daughter, Sarah. She's the best engineer who's not a qualified engineer I ever met. She's terrific. She'd put, well, I haven't had to bless myself when it comes to fixing things, I have to say, yeah. but she is brilliant at it. And it's great to see the boys and girls involved. And I do hope that this is the start of many of these around the country and more here within the northeast, where we can always say it, it all began. It anyway, all began. The, man, yeah, yeah. the man is brisk, I take it, on a general sense from the... Yeah. Look... The, the, our industry has been very, very busy, and look, part of the role of the White Goods was to keep the industry open during COVID. And luckily, electrical stores remained open in the main because they were seen as essential products. You know, mm. fridges. You had to buy a fridge. So, the challenge for a lot of the manufacturers was actually getting stock. You know, they couldn't get enough stock because of this global chip issue, the ch- shortage of chips and supply issues. But look, sustainability has been a, is a huge part of my own company, Be- uh, Beco, uh, which is a global player. You know, we have products which, which help the planet too. I, things like Harvest Fresh technology and things like we use recycling products in our products. For example, in our, um, in our washing machines, we use recycled bottles, so the 60 or 80 plastic bottles which, which go into the making of that particular product, you know, that, yes. that washing machine. We use fishnets from the bottom of the sea in, our, in, the, in the inside lining of the cooker, you know, so mm. to, to protect, protect waters and they'll bring things like filters out on um, on our Grundig. You know, another brand we do is Grundig and there's this uh, filter which fibre catcher catches the, all these fibres before they go into the water. Very good. So our own company is constantly promoting the sustainable, sustainable message, you know, and it's, you know, it's great to be working for a company like that. You know, it, it really is. No, you're, you're doing good and I wish you well, Red, but nice to hear about this. So, folks, uh, down the road there'll be no problem you pick up the phone you call and they'll be there within 24 hours please God that will happen Ian thanks for joining me on the show today Jerry, thanks for your time Talk not at soon. all take care of you bye that's Ian Collins there chair of the White Goods Association and commercial director of Beko finishing off our show today I've no look when I tell you that is the thing I want to say again you know to repair people and that I, I know you're busy but when there's an emergency and you know some of them are very good they understand if you have a fridge out or a washing machine but there's some on the long finger merchants. There's no doubt about that. I'll see you and will you ever see them? You scratch your head and hope and pray and light a candle. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, there's more coming on stream soon and that has to be good news and great to hear about that groundbreaking course right here in the North East. That's it for this Thursday on the show. Tomorrow on Late Lunch, Holly Bryan is with me. She knows all about colours. Yes, she works for Dulux and she's going to be talking to me if you're thinking of touching up your house or painting a new build or whatever. Holly knows what's what. She's with me tomorrow. David Sheehan looks ahead. Massive weekend in sport this weekend. Uh, We have a competition. We want you to identify the TV advert or show theme. Sue at a thousand. Yes, Miss Masterson. A thousand days. No hooch. We have to say hello to her tomorrow. And I don't know about Louise. 
but I'm going to be pigging out on crisps tomorrow on late lunch. I am. I promise you. Anyway, we'll see you tomorrow at half one. Eddie Caffrey's on his way with the drive. Stay with us here on LMFM Radio. Have a lovely Thursday evening. Bye. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jordan and Dogan Cavan. Order your new Dacia Duster or the all-new Dacia Sandero and Stepway. Guaranteed delivery and low-rate APR finance. Visit BlackstoneMotors.ie. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.